so today's daf is kuf tet in uh, in masechet Sachim, we are. We started out uh, about ten. Li- we got to ten lines from the top of the Amud. A person is obligated to bring joy to his children and the members of his household on uh, on the holiday. So, in addition to a mitzvah for the individual, uh, he also has to make his family happy. Because it says you have to rejoice. On the festival, and of course, the pasuk goes on to say, all family." So everyone, so the obligation is on the father, the head of the household, to uh, bring joy to everyone, not just himself. And the question is, So what should he make them happy with? Everyone should have wine. Okay, you're going to give the kids wine, the wife wine, you know, everyone wine. According to the Tanakh, everyone wine. But Rabbi Yudaumir, Anashim Men should get what's good for them. And women get what's good for them. In other words, you have to tailor the simcha. It's not one size fits all concept of simcha. According to the, we saw this also on the previous Amud, same thing. That it said, oh, you should give, uh, the, there's an obligation of four kosot for everyone, even for the kids. And then the Rebbe Yehuda said, what are you giving kids wine for? They, they should have, you know, just try to keep them awake and engaged in the said there. That's more important. So, the, uh, so here's the same thing. The joy that, uh, that a child is not going to say, oh, I'm so excited, I get a cup of wine. That's not going to give the child one something else. The wine might not be uh, like to drink, so the men get their wine, and the, men, the women have to get what is good for them. So he says, So what does it mean? So the men have wine. So what do the ladies get? In Bavel, they would give them colored clothing. In other words, new new dresses or things like that. There in 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 Eretz Israel, they would give them pressed. Um, uh, silk clothing because there they were very um, uh, uh, linen rather not so linen clothing because they would um, they they had it says in the in several places in the shas that in uh, in Israel they were able to like launder and press the linen garments to be very beautiful and they didn't really have that art in Bavil so much they had like a better system of dry cleaning apparently in in. Uh, in Eretz Israel than in Bavil. So in Bavil they would wear colored clothing because they, I guess maybe it covered up uh, stains better or something like that. It wasn't as hard to clean. Uh, in Eretz Israel they would wear this linen, these linen garments that were pressed. The point is that giving nice jewelry or, uh, or uh, dresses or clothing to women is what the simcha is for them. And uh, it doesn't, he doesn't say what it is for the children, but I guess, you know, you use your common sense. They like uh, toys, candy, uh, whatever the child, <coughs> whatever the child would like. So, Tanya Rabbi Yudab, Tehomer, Bisman, Shebet HaMikdash, Kayam, and Simchal Basar. In the times of the Beit HaMikdash, the joy was only with meats, uh, because he brought the korbanot, he ate the meat, Shnema Bazavachta Shelamim, because it says you should bring korbanot, Bisamachta Lefnei Hashem Eloecha. You celebrate before Hashem by bringing korbanot, and eating the meat of the korbanot. So, that is a... Uh, so the main point is that you bring the uh, that you bring the korban and you eat the meat, but we don't have that anymore. We don't have the Beit Hamikdash anymore. So therefore, we say that v'achshav shen Beit Hamikdash kayam in simchat bayan. So now the days that we don't have uh, Beit Hamikdash, so we, the joy is with wine. Shneimar v'yani samach levav enosh. It says wine will make the heart of the person happy. Now there's a, this is a big halachic discussion about nowadays. What is the status of eating meat? In other words, is there now no mitzvah of eating meat? Uh, on Yom Tov, so there's a there is an, a discussion among the uh, poskim whether what the, how to understand this Gemara because a simple reading of the Gemara sounds like now that in the times of the Beit Hamikdash there was no mitzvah to eat, drink wine there was only mitzvah to eat meat of the korbanot and now there's no mitzvah to eat meat of korbanot there's only mitzvah to drink wine so you wouldn't need necessarily to have meat on the Yom Tov according to the simple reading here because saying that uh, and, but the Rambam actually says that no the mitzvah is to eat meat and uh, true that it was better. 
Meaning that it was, maybe you could say that they didn't need wine in the times of the Beit HaMikdash because, the, uh, because it was so elevated, like the, the beauty of, of having the Korbanot and the Beit HaMikdash was so elevated, you didn't need the wine, the meat was enough. But the Rambam says you do need to have meat and wine even today. So many people are strict to have meat on the Yom Tov daytime meals to fulfill that, that view of the Rambam. But there are many that take this literally and say, no, now we only have a mitzvah of yayin, only mitzvah of wine. And, uh, and, and therefore, like that's, Shulchan Aruch only mentions that you have to drink wine on the holiday. It doesn't mention that, that you have to drink meat. They have to eat meat. That's what we, it's, the actual statement is, en simcha ele bebasar, en simcha ele behind. There's no, it never says no it together. Kind. Never says it together. So the whole question is, whether basically the meat that they ate in the times of the Beit HaMikdash was a superior type of eating of meat, because they had also, they were lifnei Hashem, they were in the Beit HaMikdash, so that made it different, and then now we need also wine, but not that we don't eat meat, but uh, meat isn't good enough to give you the full joy because it's not a korban. That's the way the Rambam seems to understand that. Um, that's how I understand what the Ram, how the Rambam reads this Gemara, I, I assume. But the, uh, but the other Rishonim, or men, many other uh, uh, poskim, they look at it and they say, no, this, this, is ex- this is substitution. In other words, it used to be meat, but now the meat doesn't, isn't a korban, so we just go with wine. And therefore, you can drink wine and not meat, and you can fulfill the mitzvah of simcha and the yom tov. Either way, either way, the practice is for sure to have wine at all the meals. And some people say, you know, and some people are particularly strict and try to be careful to eat meat as well, and, and that's good. Probably now, it's not because we have a status of mourners of Beit HaMikdash and Tushachar. No, he says, he says, I, I was but thinking that also, yeah, I, I, I thought that, right, I thought that too, but then if you see the pasuk, it says, so it doesn't seem like, uh, it doesn't seem like uh, the Tenuyayin uh, La Oved type of thing, it, it seems like it's happy, happy wine. But Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, so Rabbi Yitzchak said, and now we're talking about the measurements of the Rabbi that we had before, okay, Kastad they had a, uh, a, a certain container for brine, I guess it is that they uh, that they they had in Sipori, and it says Dehavav in Sipori. He havat kemin logad demakdisha. This was like the same exact size as the log of the Beit Hamikdash. Ubav v'sharin revi'it shel pesach. So if you want to know how much is a revi'it, so revi'it is revi'it a log. Log is the big measurement, and the uh, revi'it is a fourth of a fourth of what? A fourth of a log. Sometimes you can have revi'it takav, you can have other revi'ot, but this is the revi'it a log. So it says that what what they did was they would take, they would fill this up, and then they would pour it into four. They would divide it into four, and that gave you four revi'ot because you know that it's a fourth. Of it. So since we knew that the certain container that they used in Sipori was the same type of container that they used in the Beit Hamikdash, we could use that as our standard for uh, what is considered to be a, uh, a uh, revi'it. Now, I'm Rabbi Yochanan. He, so, uh, Rabbi Yochanan said, Tamniyata kadmaita dehava betiberia, havat yetera alda riv'ah. So he says, the one-eighth measurement that they had in uh, Tiberia was a quarter more than the measurement of the revi'it. So therefore, what? So what did they, what they did was, uh, they would take it and um, <laughs> he said it was a quarter more and they would measure the Revi'it of Pesach from that in other words what they would do was they would pour it in to a uh, to an uh, Rashbam says they would fill this thing they would put it into the measure of, they knew that it was one Revi'it more than the current standard of that vessel Okay, so in order to determine Revi'it, they would pour the original, they would fill the original, which they knew was one Revi'it more than the current Shminit measurement, whatever that was, and then they would pour 
and whatever was left in the cup, that was the Revi'it, because they knew it was one Revi'it more than the original, okay? So the, or one, one Revi'it, the original was one Revi'it larger than the current. So therefore, by pouring from the old vessel into the new vessel, what's going to be left in there is exactly a Revi'it. So, that's, so that, that was what they would do to determine what a Revi'it was. So he's saying they determined each Revi'it one at a time. Right, the previous one was saying no. They had one container that they knew was a revit, so they would be, that they knew was a log, so they would divide that into four, and they knew they were getting four if they poured an equal amount into each cup. <laughs> Either way, this is a way to determine what is revit. And Amav Chizdar revit shel Torah etzbaim al etzbaim berum etzbaim bchatzia etzba v'chomesh etzba. So the the measurement of a uh, is a volume measurement, right? Of a revit is measured uh, two uh, two etzbaot, two fingers breadths, right? By two by two. And a half and a fifth, it's right? It's two point seven. Yeah, they would do this. Yeah, it usually means the thumb like this. An inch. Yeah, about an inch. Yeah, uh, roughly. And so that what they so they it's uh, so what what it is is a half and then another fifth. Okay, so it's like about one point. It's about two point seven. You know, or pretty much. I think so. It's it, it's it's a cubic uh, measurement, right? So it's two etzbaot this way, two etzbaot this way, and upwards it's 2.7 and something etzbaot, you know, something like that. Uh, and so they say, and, and where do we get that from? That a person has to dip, when they dip in the mikveh, they have to immerse their entire body. That nothing should interrupt between his flesh and the water. That's a halacha that says, to tell you, to tell you that there shouldn't be anything interrupting, right? When it says, in the Torah, it means it has to be a mikveh. I mean, it can't be drawn, shouldn't be uh, uh, drawn water, but it should be water that collected that way. And <clears throat> like the Rashbam here says, that they gathered together naturally, they weren't drawn from a source by, with, a, with a vessel. And it has to be an amount of water that the entire body can go into. And this is something we learned before, right? And how much is that? That it's one by one. So we're talking again about a cubic measurement of uh, the volume of the water. So it's one ama by one ama at the height of three amot. And the rabbis determined from that 40 sa'ah. Now, if you do the math, on this, okay? So it turns out that, so each ama is, is made up of, uh, of six tefachim. Each tefach is considered to contain four, uh, four um, uh, etzbaot. So it's uh, 24. So it's, what, ends up, what ends up being is 24 by 24 times around 72 or something like that. And then it, that's going to be the cubic measurement of the size. And then the, the, if you measure what is an arba'im se'ah, it turns out to fit pretty much exactly. It turns out to, that it's going to be, um, if you divide by the amount of, uh, if you divide the relative volumes of the, uh, of the 40 se'ah into a revi'it, it will turn out that a revi'it is exactly what it says here. You could re- you could see that Rashi calculates it. The way that Rashi calculates fractions is itself very interesting. When he deals with decimals or fractions, it's much easier for us today to do decimals and fractions using you know like algebra. But they you know they didn't ha- really have that, so he uses spatial geometric uh, division in order to come up with uh, fractional relationships between things. So he'll say. Like, for example, take the 40 sa'ah, divide it, you know, into three amot. So there, in the three amot, you have 
18 tvachim. Then you divide that into 16 pieces. And you'll find in each one a tefach and half an etzvah. So in other words, he divides it up spatially to determine. But it turns out that, the, uh, that it works that if 40 se'ah, if, the, the, if 40 se'ah of water, right, that volume is one amma by one amma by three amot, that will equal... The, that uh, that uh, one revi'it is two two etzbaot by two etzbaot by uh, two point seven two etzbaot or something like that. It's exactly the analogy works out perfectly, but you have to read the entire mathematical calculation to get how he does it. But it, it does work out. Now Amar Ravashi Amar li Ravin Barchinena Shulchan Shel Mikdash Shel Perkimava. The uh, Ravashi said that Ravin Barchinena told me. That the shulchan, the, ta- the the golden table of Beit Hamikdash had to be made of parts because the isal Because if it were true that it was one solid piece, so So how would you ever be able to dip it into a mikveh? Mikveh is only one amma by one amat according to the Torah. And sometimes the uh, implements of the Beit Hamikdash become tamei and they have to dip them in the mikveh. So how would they ever be able to fit that in a mikveh? If a mikveh is one by one amot, and you're not going to be able to fit it in. So it says, says hey, so it said, Mike, it's not really a problem because Dilma. Uh, we know that Shlomo HaMelech made a gigantic mikveh. It doesn't mean that any mikveh that is kasher could accommodate any item and that any item has to, be, in order to be capable of being immersed, has to be able to be immersed in a one amma by one amma by three amot mikveh. That's not what it means. Right, you just get a big one. Shlomo HaMelech made a gigantic mikveh outside. Right, it was machzik me'avach hamishim mikveh tarad. That's what it's going to say. Right, so it says, Detanei Rabbi Chia, Yam Shasa Shlomo machzik me'avach hamishim mikveh tarad. You could fit 150 mikvaot into the mikveh that Shlomo HaMelech made. So of course you could dip this table in there, even if it was one piece. You'd be able to immerse the entire table in the, uh, the Yamshel Shlomo, in the big, uh, you know, the, the mega mikveh that they had in Bayit Rishon. So that wouldn't be a problem, okay? So this has worked out all of the quantitative pieces. And, and as I said, if you want to look at Rashi's exact calculation, it's, it's harder for us to follow because we, it's so much easier for us to say, okay, this times this equals this, and then we divide by this, we do the decimal, it works out. I, I actually worked it out before, but it's hard to follow mathematical equations in, in abstract. But if you read the way that they do it, it's really interesting the way that they calculate things with using geometry. Um, we, we can't give less than four cups. Now, we're going to get into one of the most interesting... Uh, so, yeah. The reason why they're trying to determine how much is a revi'it, translated into cubic, uh, into length and width, and uh, in other words, how do you determine the volume using length and width and height of a revi'it, a volume? So they said that it, they... Now, they, so basically they show that if you have, if a mikveh, which is one by one amma at the height of three, right? If, that's the, uh, if that comes out to 40 se'ah, then if you divide it, basically you'll determine that, it's, that one revi'it turns out to be two by two fingers, two by two of these, like two, basically two inches by two inches to a height of around 2.72, I think it comes out to be, or two, you know, something like that, or 2.7 uh, etzba'ot height. So it, it, it works out fractionally if you look at the fraction, but the way that Rashid determines it is that he breaks it down to the level of, uh, you know, uh, by s- imagining that you slice the mikveh into smaller and smaller pieces until you see that smallest piece and it turns out to be two etzbaot by two etzbaot at the height of the 2.7 and then, you, and then it, it would fit. It would fit a revi'it. So that's, that's what he was trying to say. In any case, the, um, but they were just trying to figure out how to determine a revi'it. So now the question is, this is an interesting sugya because if it comes up on a, uh, a topic that is a hot topic, I think, uh, even today to some extent, uh, about some of the beliefs of the time of the Gemara that are, you know, that are, seem strange and bizarre to us today. 
Uh, and this is specifically going to focus on something called the Zugot, which is the idea that even numbers are bad luck, or even numbers um, invite Shedim to attack us, or even numbers and allow a, a witchcraft to be Why you know perpetrated against us. Uh, I don't know the reason. So there's a very famous and maybe controversial Meiri, uh, but it's well known. Uh, probably it's the type of thing that art school would say, for a different approach, see here, because they don't like the kind of controversial things, but I'm not sure if they would say that, but they, they like to sneak it in, but without saying it. He basically says something that is a little bit controversial, but I've heard Rabbi Ben Chaim mention it before, that, um, uh, that the rabbis didn't really believe in any of this nonsense, and, they, uh, and you'll see at the, end of the, at the end of the Gemara, they kind of like pick away at it so there's almost nothing left of the, of the thing, but they didn't really believe in it, but since it wasn't idol worship, they accommodated the people's beliefs. In other words, they, they accommodated... Right, they, yeah, they spoke their language and they, they accommodated it because since people believe this is very important, they needed to explain the halacha in a way. Like, if, they, if people believe even numbers are bad, then they won't do the four cups of, of Pesach because they learned this superstition that's bad. So then what do they have to do? They say, no, it doesn't really count here because of this reason and that reason. So the, the, not that they would, they're not going to challenge that, uh, that uh, you know, uh, that the, the even numbers are bad because nobody will believe them. But they could explain that, well, you know, it doesn't apply here because of this reason and that reason. The, the Me'iri basically says they allowed the people to keep superstitions that weren't idolatrous and they would just accept <laughs> it and work with it and work within it that way. It's kind of like you're not going to convince somebody... Uh, that that yeah. dust is not chametz. It is chametz, but you could maybe convince them that you don't have to pour boiling water from a kettle all over every chair or something like that because you know you wipe it off. You know you you find some other way to uh, to, to to work within. Right, right. So you have to work within. You have to work. Or right. He doesn't know anything yet. So, so you have to work within the uh, the uh, the system. That they, that they already believe in. So if they're very superstitious, you're not going to talk them out of it, but you say to them, oh, like, and I've had that. Other people will have certain superstitions. They'll say, oh, it's just, you know, you should give tzedakah. Everything will be okay. You know, don't worry. What are you going to tell them? They're not going to be able to shake them out of it. So that's, that's, that's the way the Me'iri interprets it. Now, obviously, some people say, no, it really did. It really was real, and that's why they say it, and it just doesn't apply today, because as they're going to say later, if you don't care about it, it doesn't affect you. Like I say about the Shadim also. If you don't care about it, it won't affect you. Which, to my mind, and to the, the way the Me'iri is explaining, makes more sense. They're basically saying, if you don't believe in it, it's not, it's not really real, so you don't have in to worry. Mind. Right, it's in your mind. But the way that others say is, no, now it's, been, it, it's, it's shrunk away, and it's, it, it, it doesn't affect us, but it could. It was real then, whatever. However you want to interpret it. I, I kind of think that between the lines, you could kind of see the Me'iri is probably right, but, you know, we'll see. Now, hey, does the art school even mention it or not even? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it does? Oh, okay. How could the rabbis institute something that's going to be dangerous? It says in the right, a person shouldn't eat doubles and he shouldn't drink doubles. He shouldn't wipe himself with the two different items. He shouldn't have relations t- twice. So why? Because of Zugot, double. Don't worry, on Pesach it doesn't apply because because since Pesach night is called Lel Shimurim, the night of guarding... Right, the rest of the night you have to be careful. Okay? Now, Ravah says, no, it's because the kos shel bacha, the, the cup of Birkat Hamazon doesn't count because it's special. It's a kos shel bacha, special cup. And so therefore, there's really only three cups because that one, it's not included in the count because it's a, it's, it, the third, uh, third cup is, is special. 
Okay? Uh, that's another way to get around it. Now, It's not necessary to worry about Zugot here because each cup has its own mitzvah. They don't combine with each other. So it's not four cups. It's one cup and then another one cup and then another one cup and another one cup. It's not really four. Right? They're not connected to each other. Right? So then the Gemara says, Why can't a person have relations two times? He just changed his mind. In other words, he had relations one time and then he decided to do again. You don't do that in doubles. It's not something you do two times. You know, in, in sets, it's something that happened once and happened again. Right? What it meant was that don't eat doubles or drink doubles, like have two cups in front of you or two things. And then if you did, don't have relations because it will put you, uh, it, will, it will make you susceptible to this bad mazal that's going to come. It doesn't, it's not saying, it's not talking about having relations twice. It's talking about things you shouldn't do after you have zugot because maybe it, now it's going to make you, subs, you know, susceptible. If a person drinks double, he has two cups, his blood is on his head. It's his own problem. That's only if he didn't go out to look at the, at, to the marketplace in between. But if he goes out and he looks at the marketplace, meaning he has has a cup, he leaves, he comes back, it's okay. I'm Ravashi. Apparently he liked to drink, uh, so he would drink a cup, go out to the shuk, come back, drink another one, meaning as long as you break up the drinking, it's okay. And that's only if you're going on a trip, but if you're staying home, you can have zugot, you don't have to worry, only if you're going on a trip. To go to sleep, if you're going to sleep, it also puts you at the mercy of forces beyond your control. You're very vulnerable. So shouldn't have zugot and then go to sleep because it could put you at risk. Okay? And yet we say, is that really true? Uh, so it says that we have three examples where in their house they were careful about Zugot even though they weren't going anywhere because it says Rava would count the boards of the of the uh, uh, of the wall to make sure how many he, how many drinks he had like he would say okay the first one this one the second one, that's what the principal used to make me do when I was in the principal's office, count the lines on the ceiling, you know, one, two, you know, to, to, that was a torture, but he was doing it to keep track of how many, how many uh, uh, drinks he had, right? So how is he going to do that when he's getting drunk? I don't know the answer, but he would do that to see. Now the point was they would be careful, or it says when Abaye's mom would give, him two, would give him one cup, she would give him two cups in two hands so that he would not end up getting a second cup and having a zugot. And it says, Rav Nachman, if he had one cup, his servant would come with two hands with the two more. And if he would have two, his servant would come with one. That way, he never uh, did zugot. And it says, Adam chashuv shana. It's true, in your own house, you really don't have to worry about zugot. There's no fear of zugot. However, Adam chashuv, a person who is chashuv, who is very important, so the shedim really have it out for him. They want to they get him. So if he puts his guard down for one second, they're going to get him. So therefore, the, he has to be extra careful even in his house. But everyone else doesn't have to worry. You know, the number 10 is a good number. If you have 10 cups, here, this is, this is a new minhag for you. You have 10 <laughs> cups, you're looking for a minhagim, right? 10 cups, you're protected, you don't have to worry about zugot. 10 is an even number, but it doesn't matter. Well, so you say, why are you having 10 cups? Uh, I read in the Gemara, 10 cups, in bahem bishom zugot. And that's what, and ula litame, and that's ula consistent with what ula said otherwise. You're going to like this even more, maybe, but it should be only for smachot. Ula said, and some say it was in a brighta. Asra kosot tiknu chachamim bebeta avel. That in the house 
of the Avel, they would drink 10 cups of wine. Okay, visa kedatach asara kosot yesh ben mushum zugot. If you're going to say ten cups, account for zugot. So echik amir abanav tikumol tada tel desakana. How could they recommend ten cups in the house of the avel when it could bring you to danger? All right, aval temania yesh ben mushum zugot. But don't stop at eight. If you stop at eight, it's bad. You have to have two more. Right, Rav Chizda v'Rababar Ravanahunad amrei tarvayu shalom letova mitzarif. Shalom mitzarif. Look at this. This is very nice. So they said, no, eight is not a problem. Why? Because the pasuk Yisa Hashem Panav Elecha Biasem Lecha Shalom has eight words, and the word Shalom is in there. So number seven is Shalom. It doesn't count. So eight is okay number also. And then, But don't do six. No, even six is okay. Why? Because, because we have, Right? We have in the, number, the, fifth, the fifth word in that pasuk is, Hashem is going to be gracious to you. So when you have six cups, number five is for Vichuneka. So it's not going to hurt you. So it doesn't, you don't ever have six. But four is bad. Even is the third, right? It will only combine for good and not for bad. So why? Because you... Um, because number three is out. So only two is really going to be a problem because, uh, because four will never be nullified by three. Rates. Right? Never have only two. If you have two, you've got to have four or maybe eight or ten. Right? So it happened one time. It's consistent because he said that Rava, even though the rabbis would come over and have four cups at his house, I guess at the seder, he would still let them go out. Right? So he didn't think four was an issue for, uh, uh, or uh, maybe not at the Seder, maybe just talking about normally, because I don't think he would, uh, it would be an issue, right? Right? It wasn't the Seder, saying Arba Kosot all the time. They would come over, they would have four cups, and he didn't care that they would walk home. Why? Because he said it's a, the four is okay, only, only two is bad, right? Even though Rava Barlevai once got hurt on the way home, he didn't say that, was in, that proved that there was a problem with drinking four cups. He said, that was only because he embarrassed me in the class. He asked me, he challenged me in the shiur, so he was not, you know, he, he made me embarrassed. And so therefore, you know, he had something coming to him. You know, he, he, got, he got hurt. It wasn't because of the cups. Four cups is fine. Only two cups. So according to this, the four cups of the of the said they're for sure fine, yeah, right? Fine. But we already had a million different explanations. You see from this where the Meiri might get a sense that they're trying to minimize this as much as possible. Oh, ten is okay, and you know, really eight is probably okay too because of the pasuk, and also really six is okay, and really four, and then really only two. So they tried to minimize the amount that this would impact people's lives and people's minds by by knocking it down as oh, far as two, possible. Three, well, the two, they left it that way. Okay, that was the base, like, superstition that the people had. Anything beyond that, they tried to limit it. Say, okay, just have one more, you'll be okay. And if you had a lot, you're also okay. It's only if you had two, exactly two, then it's going to be a problem. So is that's that a 